Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. few days i hope you guys are doing good give me just a second here make sure my screens are up honey you know this one likes to talk at the same time when i go live okay there we go so that's up and running hey everybody i hope you guys are doing good child my life has been very hectic that's why i haven't really been on social media um i'm selling my home We've been in the middle of staging. I'm literally living out of a suitcase. We've had to leave. I'm in competition with new construction all around me. Please, can can y'all, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I'm seeing things. Can y'all see my bra? Is, is this sheer? Cause I'm looking in the camera. I couldn't find my black bra. Can y'all see pink? Child, it's been a rough few days. <laughs> Can we see pink? Yes. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Because I was like, I didn't know if y'all could see it. Okay. Let me pull my camera up because I don't want y'all looking at my pink bra. Okay. I'm not tissue paytas. I don't feel comfortable with y'all seeing my bra. Let me, let me pull it up a little bit more. I'm sorry, fellas. Okay. I think that cuts it out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't find no black bras, you guys. I'm literally living out of my suitcase. So I couldn't find my black bra. I was like, maybe they won't be able to see it. And then as soon as I started, I'm like, I see a lot of pink. Uh Uh-uh, no pink. (laughs) Yahoo, it has been a mess. Um, In between having to declutter and basically move everything out um, so the stagers could come in um, and get everything ready for the selling and stuff like that. Then I hear about DMX, you know, officially passing because the night before we thought he had died and then he didn't, um, but he did pass. So it's been a lot. It's just, you know, I cried like a baby because it was just like you think about all the memories and the nostalgia and his music and, you know, where you were at when this song first came out. And I remember, you know, money, power, respect, what you need in life. Like, you know, me and my homegirls just rapping, you know, going hard when Little Kim's verse came on. But then knowing, you know, DMX's part and the Locks's part, it's just a lot. It's, it's a lot, you know, but I really need to be around you guys. I need y'all's energy. And I wanted to just really talk about everything that's been going on, um, not just with him, but just in the world in general. And I see a lot of folks are saying things like there's there's like different rumors some people are saying uh that he got the the axine because i don't want to say that name um and that's what might have caused it 
But I think all of that aside, like, like we just have to be honest, okay? And I'm a huge DMX fan, as is many people. I'm not the only one. You know, DMX had a drug problem. And I think we need to be honest. While I love a good conspiracy, honey, okay? Y'all know that. I love, I love a good conspiracy. He had a drug problem. And, um, you know, sometimes you can go through things and stress, just different things that happen in life. I've been stressed as hell this week. And sometimes stress can be a trigger to fall back into old habits. And he had, and if he had been clean for a while, that can put a lot of stress on your heart. So I don't really want to get into the whole, oh, it's because of the C-19 and all that. Um, until there's like solid proof. And I see that he went to a doctor, like the baseball guy, the black guy, uh, I think Lou Garrett. Now we saw him get, you know, axed right there on, on live television. So I get why that conspiracy was right. Cause they, they gave him the jab and then he died a week later. I didn't hear about this with DMX, but I do know that he had a drug issue. And I think that we have to be very honest because a lot of people, um, we need to have an honest conversation about drugs and the drug culture. Cause I see a lot of folks, you know, rest in peace and, you know, they love X and they loved his music and, and his prayers and the things that he said. But a lot of those same people in their own music, they perpetuate drug culture. They perpetuate using lean and popping pills and mollies. And it's not you, Hank Aaron. Okay. Thank you guys. I'm sorry. I said Lou Garrett child. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Hank Aaron, I apologize. Rest in peace to Hank Aaron. You know, a lot of dead baseball players, child. I apologize. Um, but, you know, I see a lot of these rappers saying things like, um, you know, rest in peace. But then when you listen to their music, they perpetuate a lot of this stuff to the youth. And it really scares me where the drug culture is going. Because even when we were kids, Yes, rappers talked about smoking weed. You had Snoop Dogg talking about gin and juice. And I'm sure gin and juice had a lot of kids trying it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I remember I tried some gin thinking it would taste like juice. I was 14. Ignorance. So I'm like, let me, let me get some gin. Thinking, you know, gin and juice. Not knowing you had to mix it. And as soon as it hit my mouth, I ran to the sink and I spit it out. My mouth was burning. But that's what happens as kids. You just don't, you don't understand. You don't understand the ramifications and how, you know, listening to certain things and, and, and things from rappers, you know, you're thinking you're just dabbling. Yes, I ran and spit it out, you guys. I remember being like 13 with all my friends. Um, my homeboy snuck into his mother's liquor cabinet. So we're about to try some, you know, gin and juice. Because we're thinking it's gin with juice. We didn't, we didn't know shit about mixing stuff. We're not damn bartenders. We're 13. So we all, you know, just poured some in a cup. And my mouth was burning. I ran to go spit it out. And I've never tried gin since. Okay? I just don't do liquor. But, um, you know, I, I just, I think back to, like, how much things have evolved. You know, even when we used to listen to rappers back in the day, talking about weed, you know, everybody smoked weed and weed and weed and weed. And that was never my thing, you know, but I know damn near everybody. I would say 90% of my friends all smoked weed, like everybody smoked weed. And now with these new kids, it's about pills and lean and, you know, things that are definitely going to get you addicted. And even with the weed, like, like me and BL Sherelle, when we did the podcast the other day, and we we're trying to explain to people like, 
you know, I don't know how the weed was in the 90s and 2000s because I never smoked weed. So I can't be like, oh, it's so different. But I know from everybody I talk to now who's my age, they're all saying the same thing. This is not the same weed of yesteryear. It's a lot more potent. It's a lot more addictive. They're cutting it with fentanyl. And I'm not saying everybody's weed, you know what I'm saying? But it's, it's, it's something going on with the weed. And I know there was a mother, she had posted on the Discord and she was saying that her 17 year old, you know, is smoking weed now. And so her and her husband were talking about it. And her husband who, you know, been smoking weed, you know, for years is saying the same thing that the weed that the son is smoking ain't like the weed that he smokes. So I, I just feel like, yes, weed is from the earth, but there's a lot of shit that's being, you know, grown with the weed though, Lisa. You know, this is not the weed from the 60s where you can just plant it in your garden and, and harvest it. You got weed being grown in manure. You got weed being made to be super potent. There's some weed that's just as strong as popping a pill. That ain't right. You know, back in the day, people would smoke weed and they just, you know, have munchies. Now they smoke weed and want to turn up and, and riot and rob people and act a fool. So... I think that we need to have a real conversation about drug use in the community and not just try and dismiss it to, oh, you know, you know, he got the jab, right? I don't even want to go there. Okay. Cause we've watched him for years decline and, and suffer and ask for help, you know, and that, that, that crack is a, is a demon. I mean, it destroyed a whole entire community. You know, whole families were destroyed during the crack epidemic, you know? So it's it's really sad, like everything that's just gone on. And to hear him talk about getting addicted because somebody put some stuff in his weed. Once again, he's thinking weed is natural. Somebody, done, you know, added some crack to it. And he's been kind of fighting that demon ever since. And again, this is not to like knock people's poison because whatever your poison is, that's your business. I don't care if you're on meth or crack or crystal meth or whatever the hell the latest drug is, okay? Even liquor. Because, see, a lot of people try to try to normalize liquor as well and try to make it look like, oh, it's just wine. Oh, it's just this. Anything can be an excess. And understand, like I said before in prior videos, liquor, another name for liquor is spirits. And when you drink liquor, okay, Liquor is used in a lot of spiritual rituals, okay? It, even in the Bible, even with shamans, even with voodoo practitioners. Put the liquor in their mouth, spit it out, make fire. So one thing about liquor is its spirits. So the drunker you're getting is you're allowing spirits into you. That's why people say things like, I was out of my body. Or, you know, I got so drunk, I don't even know what happened. Well, that's because you stepped outside of yourself and something else entered into you. It's the same thing with drugs. Okay, drugs may not have a fancy name like spirits, but it's the same thing. You're allowing something that is not of you to take over you. That's why when people are sober, it's like night and day versus when they are high or drunk. So we need to also understand that just because it's legal, doesn't mean that it cannot be abused, okay? Everybody knows I get prescription drugs because I have a chronic illness, okay? And, and the, the strongest drug, the drugs that I've had to be on is way stronger than anybody's weed, morphine, dilaudid, you know? 
And I have to be very, very cognitive and very, very careful because one pill too many, I'm out of here. So anything, regardless if it's from a doctor or the weed man, if it's used in excess, you can build a habit and you can become addicted. And certain things, once you get addicted to it, it's very, very hard to get that monkey off your back. You have to be willing, wanting, and able to get that to get through that addiction. It's not easy. And that's one thing I've learned just from you all, you know, just speaking to you guys, getting to know people like Emily and, and BL and people who just come from different walks of life. Because for me, I would get upset like, oh, you're healthy. Like, why are you even putting your body through this? Like, I have to use these pills. You don't have to. You're just doing this recreationally. All that doesn't matter because somebody wants to try a pill one time, you know, for fun does not mean that they should be on a downward spiral the rest of their life. So I try to have compassion for people, you know, when it comes to that. So that's why it's like, for me, I can't knock him. You know, it's easy to dismiss him and say, well, he's a crackhead and, and his heart gave out. Oh no, he was way deeper than that. I never knocked him for his drug habit because it's not, it's no joke. And he knew, you know, it was something that was overtaking him. And it was something that was very hard for him to deal with. And a lot of those mistakes that he made in his life was due to being high. So I think people should, you know, take his life and his legacy as a learning lesson for their own life. Like I always say, learn from the mistakes of other people so that way you're not destined to repeat them. So maybe now is the time that you put down the crack pipe if you're on crack. Or you stop shooting up meth if you're on meth. Or you put down the damn liquor bottle. You know, whatever your poison is, maybe this is the time that we just kind of slow down on all of that stuff. Because the way it's being pushed, the way it's being commodified, the way it's being glamorized, I don't like it. You know, there was a time that if you were on drugs, it was almost embarrassing. It was kind of a secret. Kind of went to the bathroom, you did your line in the stall, and you came out, woo, ready to party. Now people were just... Crack, you know, like, you know, break up the damn drugs in front of you, the coke. I've been at parties in LA, people just snorting in front of you. Like, what, bitch, you have no shame? We're in the bathroom, trying to put on my lipstick. You're doing a line. What kind of shit is this? Go in the stall, damn crackhead. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's no shame. It's like, you know, this is what I do. You want some? Absolutely not. So it's just, it's being so glamorized. There's just no shame with it now. And I want people to just understand that, you know, there are serious consequences. You may not die tomorrow, but it could be 10, 15 years from now when you're starting to do better. And, you know, you're watching your kids grow and things like that. And you want to get on the right path. But because of all the abuse that you put your body through year after year after year, it can catch up to you. So that's what I want people to leave, you know, um, to leave away with with this whole DMX situation. It's just got me thinking like just real deep, you know, on life and, and the things that he went through and the things, you know, what, what caused him to go down that path. You know, the abuse of his mother, the abandonment, and then finding a so-called male role model and then him taking advantage of a 14-year-old child. That's why, again, as parents, we need to know who our kids are around. Who, who, who's the big homie? Because a lot of times the big homie don't have good intentions for you. A lot of times the big homie's a fucking loser who never made it, you know, in his life. He didn't really accomplish anything. So now he wants to live vicariously through you and fuck up your life. 
because again, misery loves company. So a lot of the big homies, they're not really homies. A lot of them are miserable, just disgusting people. Because if you're really my homie, if you really care about me, you're not going to send me off to go do drive-bys. You're not going to send me off to go sell drugs. You're not going to send me off to go put myself or my family in harm's way. You're going to want the best for me if you're really my big homie. So I hate that title because a lot of these big homies, they're not shit. I watched them throughout my childhood and the things that they did to my homeboys and to my cousins and to my friends and things like that. Sending young people off. If that man really cared about X and his talent, there's no way you would sneak crack into a 14-year-old's joint. When you have to sneak and do something, you know you're wrong. Because if it's all good, why not put it out there in the open? Oh, I laced that blunt. Now, if you want to still smoke it, that's on you. But the fact that he snuck it and he did it and it was unbeknown to X tells me everything I need to know about that man's character. So watch out for that. It's it's sad. Um, let me go ahead and um, read some of these super chats, you guys. Thank you guys for coming through. Let's see here. Um, oh, we got a lot of super chats. I appreciate y'all. Alicia Elliott says, hey, T, you look beautiful as usual. I've been waiting for you to go live. Rest in peace, DMX. Thank you so much, sis. Thank you for coming through. I appreciate you. Addie Jayobun sent uh, $5. Thank you, Addie. Um, Antonia Bowen says, hey, girl, you look great. Thank you, sis. Appreciate you. Brevon sent 999 says, hey, T, I miss hearing from you. Congrats on the new home. Wishing you the best as always. Love you. Love you too, sis. I appreciate you. I saw your comment on the DMX post that I posted. I have replied back to your comment because I hadn't seen you in a while. So thank you so much for the super chat, sis. Um, Strawberry sent a $2 sticker. Thank you, Strawberries. Uh, let's see here. Raquel says, hey, girl, I missed you. Love you. Love you, too, sis. Thanks for coming through. Um, Tisha Paris says, hey, T, love you, period. I was approved for the Discord, but did not get the link to the new system. Please let me in. LOL. Thanks for all you give. Thank you so much, sis. Thanks for coming through. I need to go back and check a few of my emails that were prior dated. Um, anybody sending me emails after the 5th, I'm not responding. So as long as your email was before then, um, I will get you that link. I just had to take a few days off because I had to move. I had to get everything together in my life. So that's why I haven't replied back to the emails because some people were taking too long to respond. So at that point I moved on, but I'll go back and check. Um, Tangible says, pull the cam up a little more. We can still see. Oh, no, it looks good. Now I can't see anything. You can just see the top, but you can't see the pink. Big titty problems. <laughs> Thank you, sis, for the $5. <laughs> Katie sent $4.99, says, hey, T, caught my first live. I want to say I think you are one of a kind. Thank you for your hard work and giving us the tea, honey. Thank you so much, and thank you for coming through. I appreciate you. Um, let's see here. Reese Boo says, I thought of you the second DMX passed. I cried all night and spent all night watching tributes. He was deeply loved. He really was. I did the same thing yesterday. Thank you so much. Um, Deja Vu says, hey T, rest in peace to DMX. We miss you girl, love you. The world is going through some spiritual rituals right now. Girl, we gonna talk about it. And I've been on already 20 minutes. The live stream might be a little bit long, but it's okay. Y'all take timestamps for the folks who be crying about timestamps. But yeah, we're going to get into the whole spiritual stuff that's going on. We got a lot to talk about with that. So I'll, I'll come back to that. Thank you for the super chat. 
Uh, Patrice Reese says, hey, T, love y'all catch the playback, but want to stop by. Thank you so much. Marvin says, hey, T, looking good, girl, sending you hugs and love. Thank you so much for the e-hug. I appreciate you. Um, Kiki West says, crack epidemic is still affecting the black community till this day. X was given crack by childhood, by his child mentor. Yes, he was. And thank you for this uh, super chat. Um, the G4U says, hey, T, you're looking good. I will listen to your live later. Since I have errands to do, I look forward to your content because it uplifts my day and keeps me informed. Blessings. Thank you for the $20 super chat. And thank you so much for coming through. I appreciate you. Um, let's see here. Nehemiah says, hey, T, just want to show you some support. Thank you for all you do for us as a community. Love you. Love you too, Nia. Thanks for coming through. Um, Selena says, hey, T, just wanted you to know I was diagnosed with lupus at 23. My kidneys failed. It's been a hard road, but your content and energy helped to uplift me. Just a little something to say thank you. Thank you so much, Selena. I really appreciate that. And, you know, somebody who deals with a chronic illness, I can only imagine, you know, the pain you're going through. You know, I've heard and I've seen people battle with lupus. So um, I just hope that things start getting better for you. So thank you so much for coming through, sis. Um, Goth boy, what's up, Goth boy with the 99 cent? <laughs> thank you, love. Um, Jay Jersey says, I grew up in the 80s. Weed doesn't even smell the same now. It smells like a skunk. That was the friend that laced DMX weed. See, I, I just, hmm. I've been hearing that from so many people that the weed from back then is not the same weed. You know, and that's the part that's frightening because it's like, what are they putting in there? You know, what are the chemical compounds? Because there shouldn't be no chemicals in there. Fish is grown from the earth. You know, that's the part that's scary. Um, corrupted, send $23 in UK money, says, I know it's been extra, extra tough these few weeks with the move, the new discorders, and now this. Huge hugs, T. Rest in peace, DMX. Lots of love to the family. He's at peace now. Hang in there, T, and everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for the super chat, love. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's been a rough, really, really rough, like, few weeks, you know, just with everything that's been going on. Amen Rahim says, hey, T, it's Rahim. Love you. Want to say hello. Hey, Rahim. How have you been? I haven't seen you in a while. Thank you for coming through. Let's see here. C. Johnson says, rest in peace, DMX. Auntie T, this one hit different. It's like losing an older brother who you wanted to see win. I'm relieved that he's at peace with his granny and Aaliyah. Now, by the way, I've been a tea sipper since 2016. Love you. I love you too. And yeah, I think that's probably the main solace of everything is the fact that he's with his grandmother and with Aaliyah. You know, he was very, very close to her before she passed. So thank you for that. Um, AJ says, hey, T, blessings to you and your family from VA. This loss on the hip-hop community hits different. DMX was my entire teenage life. I enjoy watching your lives. Continue speaking facts. Thank you so much. And that's the way I feel, too. Like, it's like losing, like they were saying, losing an older brother. That's exactly what it feels like. Like, we watched him come into the game, you know, and just make headway. So it's just, it's been a crazy, you know, journey. You know, just watching everything back, even his stint on Ayanna Van Zandt with his son and, you know, him going on Dr. Phil and Drew Carey. Like DMX used to be going on all types of hobo talk show tours, honey. So it was fun just going back and watching all that stuff. 
Um, let's see here. Mally C says, Sean loves tea from one Minnesota into another. Rest in peace, DMX. Thank you so much, sis. It's been hectic up here with the trial. Child, all the hotels around Minneapolis are booked. The Airbnbs, um, they put double fencing up. So we're literally in Minnesota right now just waiting with bated breath, you know, hoping that everything just goes as planned. But it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking, you know, because it can go one way or another. It's just a continuation of 2020, still not having that peace. But thank you so much, sis, for coming through. Um, hi, for l says, hey, T, I'm glad DMX is getting love and seeing the joy in his music. I'll catch you on the replay. We're off to date night. Happy moving. Thank you so much and enjoy your date, sis. Have a good time. So I want to go ahead and share you guys, uh, share with you all this video that Azalea Banks posted earlier today. Um, a few people sent it to me on Instagram and Azalea Banks was spitting some truth. Like she really, we know she can be batshit crazy at times, honey. We know she loves the drink, but um, she was saying a lot of really truthful things. So I want to go ahead and play this for you guys. And she's basically talking about the industry and how, you know, they just don't take care of the artists the way that they should be taking care of these artists out here. So let me go ahead and share my screen really quick. Give me just a second. So I want to start this video by sending my most sincere condolences to DMX's family, DMX's families. Rest in peace, DMX. You inspired a lot of fucking artists. Anyone who knows or has been following my musical journey knows that Keith Flint from Prodigy and DMX are two of my biggest fucking inspirations, especially when it comes to the Young Rapunzel projects and just my overall stage presence. Um, Woodstock 99 DMX, the way he's rocking that whole fucking set, just him in red overalls with a microphone is what it's, it's been one of the most iconic things I've ever seen in my life and I watch it all the time. Next, I really want to open this discussion about the music industry and its artists. Now, the way shit is set up now, you'll have a record label, you know, say it's Columbia or whatever, and there's fucking like Jennifer Smith, some white bitch that works in marketing, right? And she got a husband and she got kids and all of her whole entire family is on her job's health insurance plan, you know? But then you might have an artist like DMX, who's clearly suffering with issues and there's no care to even help this person, you know? Um, then then you, you, you have this network of people that kind of just work together to basically sabotage the artist and like get what, get every little piece that you can out of the artist. So when you are, an artist, because I truly believe that artists make art to redeem themselves. When you're an artist and you're on the road and you're just, you know, you got this, these fans, this, these fans, and you, your, your biggest concern is them, really, your connection with them, how your music translates to them. But behind the scenes, you got this fucking vanguard of people, like business managers, 
lawyers, fucking managers, labels who truly don't give a fuck about you. You know, sometimes they even they they're even like setting you up, kind of like waiting to cash in on your debt. You know. And when you have somebody like DMX, who for so long was crying out for help, you know, crying out for fucking help, letting people know that you needed help, legitimate help, not just fucking state, state welfare help, like walk into the fucking welfare drug center because all you fucking like the welfare drug rehabilitation center because his business manager and his lawyer and his fucking manager and his label have all fucked him out of his money. You know, he can't pay taxes. He's in debt. So then he feels like he has to keep performing for these people. That's really how fucking people this shit is. You know, there's been a lot of times in my career where I've had fans like, Azealia, go get help. Go get help. Go to the therapist, you know? But guess what? I couldn't afford to go to the fucking therapist, okay? Because I had business managers, lawyers, managers, record labels, everybody stealing my fucking money. Weaving this fucking web that's like impossible to fucking penetrate. Luckily, luckily, I'm, I'm finally starting to see some traction. I'm finally starting to see a little bit of the money, you know, off of my debut fucking album. But there were a lot of fucking years that I really seriously could not afford to go to fucking therapy. And all I'm saying is that this shit has to fucking change. You look at these rap niggas right now, like, look at fucking Travis Scott, okay? Nobody's stepping in to fucking interview with Travis Scott. You got, you got enablers, you probably got a fucking tour manager going to get the fucking lean and go get the fucking Percocet so this nigga could sit in the fucking studio and make more money for y'all crackers. And y'all don't care what happens to him. Nobody's suggesting, like, oh, maybe, you know, hmm, maybe, maybe we should have, like, an in-house therapist. Maybe we should have, like, in-house drug rehabilitation programs. No, they're gonna push you to the fucking edge and push you to the fucking limit so you keep creating for these motherfuckers and then when you die of drug overdose, then they're gonna come and cash in on it. This shit has to motherfucking stop. And I'm saying this to artists, you know, artists that are already signed to labels, artists that are like aspiring to be a part of the music industry or a part of the world. I'm saying this to record labels. If you guys are going to sign people into these like lifelong contracts where they're offering up their fucking intellectual property, health insurance and the top health insurance has to be a no motherfucking brainer. Okay. And the health insurance coverage needs to last for the artist's entire fucking lifetime. I don't care if it's a one-hit fucking wonder. You're going to be making a lot of money off of that one fucking hit. The least y'all motherfuckers could do is get, get these artists some fucking doctors. Get these artists some fucking help. Legitimate fucking help. Because really, I'm sorry. Jennifer at Marketing's Life and the life of her children and the life of her stupid-ass white husband are not as important as the life of the fucking artist that is feeding these white people. These white people that work at these record labels. Let them go get their own fucking health insurance. Save that health insurance policy for the fucking artist. 
because we need it. A lot of us really need help. You know, there were there were times early in my career where I was really fucking dealing with alcoholism. And in instead of, of somebody trying to be like, okay, you know, maybe we should take a Zelia to a fucking program, you know, they, they just put four bottles of vodka in my fucking dressing room so I could just fucking drink myself into a fucking stupor and go on stage and make more money for these niggas. This shit gotta fucking stop, y'all. Mm. So let me come back on the screen here. So you guys just heard everything that Azealia Banks had to say. And, you know, granted, she can be batshit crazy at times, but she was speaking nothing but the truth in that. You know, and this is what I've been saying for years, that these artists are nothing more than a commodity. If you think that this industry, they're trying to be your friend, you better wake up. You are a commodity. This is a business. And a lot of times those advances and all that stuff, it's simply a loan. And you're going to pay that money back regardless of the situation. If you overdose yourself to death, they feel like, well, that's on you. But guess what? We're about to release a postmas or postmortem, whatever they call them, albums. You know, those albums they, re they release after an artist has died. And isn't it crazy that the, that the albums of dead artists get way more promo, way more push, way more, you know, it's like it goes viral. It's a big deal. Then even when the artist was alive, you know, not to not pop smoke, you know, I heard, you know, maybe one or two of his songs, but his name wasn't really out there like that. But once he died, all oh, the way they pushed that, you know, pop smoke album after he died was crazy. Same thing with Juice World. You know, Juice World was definitely making a name for himself. But he was another one who pushed a lot of the drug culture and talked about, you know, his drug use, his depression. He was crying out for help in a lot of his music, you know, especially when I and I listened to that song Wishing Well. Like it just it, it's just it just makes me sad, you know, because hindsight is 2020. So it's like if I'm hearing this and I'm hearing this call for help, where was the record labels? Where was his management team? Where were the people who had these young people's best interest at heart? You shouldn't just have their best interest at heart when it comes to them making you money. And that's what it seems like is going on. And this is why a lot of these performers are still out here performing in their 50s. They should be at home resting and retiring like most 50, 55 year olds. But they're literally out here having to work and perform on stage. And I'm not saying that they don't love it. But at what point in time do these people have a chance to stop performing and really rest and take care of themselves? Because it's grueling being on the road. It's grueling living out of a suitcase. It's grueling from being in a different city to a different city to a different city. So I definitely agree with her when she says that, you know, there should be something, you know, around to help pay for their medical services. Their, you know, mental health services. If we can, I mean, think about it. If these record labels can give you an advance, right? So you can rent out a Lamborghini for a, a video shoot or go, you know, shoot a music video in a tropical, tropical, you know, country. Why can't they put money aside for when you fall off the wagon? Well, they don't because they don't care. Either way, they're going to get paid. Because again, if you're high, and you're inviting spirits into you via these drugs. That's why a lot of artists tend to dabble with drugs because it, it, it heightens their creativity. Like, let's keep it real. 
When some people drink, when you give them weed, when you when they pop a pill, all of a sudden they can rap for hours. You know what I mean? They can just go, 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 go. That's why they supply them with whatever they want. Like she said, she was battling alcohol. And instead of somebody saying, well, damn, we need to put her in rehab, she comes to her dressing room, there's four bottles of vodka. Because they know when she drinks that, she's going to be able to keep going and keep going. So if y'all don't understand how sinister and demonic that is, it, it's sad. So it's easy to knock a juice world and say, well, you know, all he did was pop lean, you know, drink lean and pop pills, as opposed to looking at the root of it. These guys are not out here on the block buying pills from people, can't afford to have the main artist popped. So who are the guys that they're sending off to go get them the drugs? Usually somebody from the label. There's one in every city, the drug runner, the liquor runner, you know, to get them whatever advice that they need. Like Afini Shakur said in that movie, they're going to give you all the tools that you need to destroy yourself. And that's what they did, I believe, to people like DMX, Amy Winehouse. She was another one, an alcoholic, overdosing, Michael Jackson, one of the greats, overdose, Prince from Minneapolis, one of the greats, overdose. And like I said, to them, it doesn't matter because the drugs and the liquor, it brings out the creativity. So they're going to keep giving it to you. And even when you die, they're still going to be eating off of you. King Von, another person, they're dropping his album soon. You know, so it's like these guys never get a chance to even rest in peace anymore. XXX, his post album. So, I mean, the list goes on. Little Peep, Mac Miller, all of these young people who have died over the past few years and how they become even more famous. Whitney Houston, another one, made more money in their death than when they were alive. And that's why I said months ago that a lot of these artists are worth more dead than even when they're alive. You know, stupid bitches couldn't, you know, comprehend what the fuck I was trying to say. But the ones who had common sense understood where I was coming from. And that's just the truth of the matter. So I just think what she was saying is just really poignant. But is it going to be done? Is the music industry going to look at cases like DMX and Amy Winehouse and Whitney Houston? And instead of just cracking jokes and, you know, being able to sell tabloids by calling her a crackhead and calling Amy Winehouse, you know, Amy Winehead. Are they really going to get these people the, the care that they need? Demi Lovato was another one. I mean, she didn't die, but, you know, we all know about her drug addiction. So it, it's sad. You know, they people are just a commodity and they need to understand that you are a commodity to keep this thing called the entertainment business rolling. And DMX spoke on that. He, he constantly spoke about the industry and the dirty ways that they did people, you know, and um it's still, he was speaking on this, what, like 10 years ago when he did that deaf uh, comedy poetry jam. And nothing has really changed. So I just really love the fact that she just really, you know, spoke her truth. Yes, Brittany Murphy. I'm a lot of people. Bruno Mars, he does drugs. I see I don't threw Bruno Mars's name in there. I, didn't, I don't know. Do he do drugs? I don't think he do. I haven't heard anything. Yep, Britney Spears. She's another one who has mental health issues and things like that. So a lot of these people, they're not protected. So it's just sad. 
So let me go ahead. I want to also hit on Black Rob. Now, I was just, when people sent me this video, I was so confused. I'm like, what the hell happened to Mr. Woe? Because you remember back Black Rob from back in the day. I had a bad bitch. She was woke. You know what I mean? Like that song was a bop. Diddy, of course, was all through the damn video. But he looked really bad. I said, who woke Black Rob off his damn deathbed to send condolences to DMX? We need to be praying for Black Rob. I was scared as hell when I seen that video. I'm like, Black Rob, you sure you don't need no prayers, brother? Let me just go ahead and pray for you anyways. Because he looked really bad. He looked really bad. Um, it's sad. It's sad. I see y'all got this, and then he's talking about he's in pain. Why y'all waking him up to send, you know, shout outs to dip? Let that man rest and get some pain medicine. I felt so bad when I seen that. I said, Lord, what happened to Black Rod? They don't woke him up like, get up. DMX died. You need to say something. Like, we're here, bed off, frail. Oh my God, that was a horrible video. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny, but that video scared me because I was I was not expecting that. Because I seen them trending. I said, okay, Black Rob, all right, you know, one of the old school icons. And then I seen the video and I was like, what happened? Like, he looks like he's sick. We need to be praying for Black Rob, too. Child, let me go ahead and play y'all this Black Rob video. Um, I think he, I don't know, I think, I know he had a stroke a few years ago. I don't know what's going on. I've tried to look. Nobody's really saying what's happening with his health, but he looks bad. He looks really bad. I feel so bad for him. Shut up, man. What's going on? Just, I don't know what the pain is. The pain, like, pain is crazy, man. It's helping me out, though, man. It's making me realize I got a lot to, I got a lot to go, man. A lot to go on, man. Oh, man. How you feel about X? Oh, man, I feel, feel everything about X, man. X World Golf, man, positive. X the big, big love, big love to X, man. It's hard, man. All right. Man, that is so sad. Let me come back on camera. I see someone in the chat say he has kidney disease. Um, I don't know. Um, that's what somebody said in the chat. But I, I just feel like they could have just allowed him to rest. Like we, nobody was think nobody woke up yesterday and said, I wonder what Black Rob thinks about DMX death. I can assure you nobody said that. Okay, I haven't thought about Black Rob in years. Now he made that good song. Um, whoa, that's the only song I remember. Um, seemed like a really nice brother, but yeah, nobody woke up and said that. So I don't understand. Like, let that man rest. He's talking about he's in pain. He looks delirious, you know, and it's like, it, that was just sad. That was sad, you know? So I hope, you know, Black Rob, you know, he gets better as well. You know, let's definitely send him some positive energy and prayers as well. Cause he needs it. I'm like, he, he over here talking about DMS. What's going on with Black Rob? The person who's filming, you want to explain why he looked like this? Like, come on now. And I mean, another thing, why is everybody from Bad Boy sickly, dying, you know, involved in some bullshit? And meanwhile, Diddy looked like he done sucked they soul. He looked just as young and, and fresh and vivacious. He's still able to dance in two-step. Craig Mack dead. Biggie Smalls dead. P. 
Pam from Total, she's just crazy as hell. Like Black Rob in the hospital. Like, like what the hell is going on? All these folks were around the same age, but Diddy looks just as young and fresh. Must be nice because he ain't got nothing to worry about. Them checks are still rolling in. Diddy's a modern day vampire. I don't give a damn what none of y'all say. Diddy over here young and, 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 and you know, fresh face. Meanwhile, all his artists are just going through shit. Something ain't right. Yeah, Craig Mack died like three years ago. He sure did. Uh, Tara Bryant sent 20, a $20 sticker. Thank you so much, sis. Um, let's see here. Vic sent 50, says, hey, T, got that tech tea for you. Corporal are working on tech that will sell tickets instead of Netflix subscriptions and verify in your living room. If the audience matches the number of tickets sold, if not, they cut the service. I sent you a video on Discord. Wow. Thank you for the $50 super chat. I really appreciate it. I'm definitely going to check that out. Big tech is just going crazy at this point. And now everybody wants to keep sending me, you know, articles about the, you know, the C-19 vaccine, vaccine passport. I told you I was coming down the pipeline. And now, you know, to fly to certain countries, they're already implementing it. So it's it's crazy. All this stuff is just, you know, it was just all a plan. Sad. Um, Zay Sim 50, he says, I lost my big cousin today to an overdose. Wow. If you're dealing with these demons, please get help. Thank you so much for the super chat, love. And I'm very sorry to hear about your cousin. Um, yeah, it's no joke. It's no joke out here. You know, the drug use and, you know, like I said, it just starts to take a toll on people where they think they can, you know, keep pushing it. But it just takes a toll eventually on the heart, on the liver. So it's really sad. I know um, I watched a video, the one where Black Rob was on Sway in the Morning, and he was saying at that point he had had a stroke. So this was like a few years ago. But he was even saying that, you know, he was drinking a lot and, you know, all of that liquor and stuff caught up to him. You know, so when people say, like, we really have to treat our bodies like our temple, we're not just saying that to, you know, to be condescending or, oh, you think you're all that or shut the hell up. We're not doing that. It's literally facts. All that stuff eventually takes a toll on you. You know, there's just certain things you can do in your 20s, but by the time you get to your 30s and 40s, it catches up to you. So, you know, the younger you are, that you can start thinking healthy and, and having a healthy mindset. I'm not saying don't go out and have fun. That's not what I'm a child, because I'm going to go to a club and shake my ass, shake my tits too. So I'm not saying that, okay? I'm the queen of having fun. What I'm saying is that have fun in moderation. And if you have to get high or, you know, just just sloppy drunk to have fun, then you're not being yourself. You know, it's one thing to have a glass. It's one thing to have a shot. It's one thing to smoke a little weed. But when you're just smoking weed all from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you know, if you have a bottle in your hand when you're just drinking straight out the bottle, that is just the most ratchet shit, especially for a female. Bitch, get a cup. OK, when you're just drinking Hennessy straight to the head and you're a female that driving the boat shit, I just think it's just so disgusting to me. It's not ladylike. I don't care who gets offended. It's my opinion. And you don't know how much liquor is being poured down your throat. So you might be used to a little shot, but when you're driving the boat, they're just pouring the shit down your throat. Now you in the club like this and shit, falling into people, potentially about to get hard. So just be mindful. Nothing wrong with having fun, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that damn old. Y'all will see me in the damn club having a good time. 
but it's okay to be sober. You don't have to turn up every night. You know, you don't have to push the limit to keep up with people because the same ones that you're keeping up with when you let up in the hospital, like black Rob, are they going to be there? That's the question you have to ask yourself when shit gets real. Will they be there? Because I know a few people who don't overdose and guess what their friends did left them or dropped them off at the front of the hospital and ah, skirted off. So be careful with your turn up. So let me see here. Um, let's see. Rena Sanfai says, laugh my ass off. Diddy looks like he sucked their soul. You are too funny. I'm just saying, his face is all fresh, nicely, you know, uh, moisturized. Got that nice shea butter sheen on his skin. Lips are moist. He looks good. He's eating well. He's gotten fat, eating very well. Meanwhile, you know, everybody on Bad Boys shriveled up and dying. Like, what is going on, Diddy? Something ain't right. Something ain't right. I said what I said. <laughs> Thank you, though, for the super chat, love. Um, let's see here. Your mamas and papas sent $100. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They said been trying to send you a super chat for a minute. But if my message says anything about anything, it will say edit message and try again. Wow. Censorship, lovely T. These are the times... Thank you for all your hard work and videos. Much love from Callie as always. Thank you so much for always coming through with the super chat. I really appreciate you. Yes, the censorship on YouTube is going crazy. Um, that's why I'm just very careful with my words. I'm very careful with the topics I hit on people. Oh, you should talk about this? Absolutely not. Not because I don't want to. Not because I don't have an opinion. Right now, they are taking people's channels left and right. People's channels are being snatched left and right, not just on YouTube, but on Instagram, Twitter, things like that. So it's like the censorship is very real. But again, they own this platform. So if that's the rules, then I just have to modify my content to follow the rules. So any deep stuff we talk about in the Zoom meeting, that's where we go for the DT, you know, but it's, it's really sad how it's gotten on this platform where you just can't give an opinion. And if it's not going with the mainstream narrative, then it's an issue. You know, it's bad enough with the demonetizations all the time, but now they're just like, now they're getting rid of people. But it's funny because their fave, the one that be trolling for Teen Peen, still here. Nothing has happened. So that tells you a lot. But thank you for the super chat. Um, Ash Janae says, Diddy did an open letter to GM, but it just seems like he's using the black community to push his agenda. He should pay the artists and stay out of politics. Yeah, I don't take anything with Diddy in politics seriously. Um, until he can pay the people that he owes, I don't care about nothing Diddy got to say because he didn't treat his artists right. And again, you know, that's part of that music industry. Um, when they came in, they were shitted on and, and abused and, you know, given horrible contracts. And the sad part is then they turn around and do it to the next person. Same thing. Jay-Z did the same thing to Kanye. And then Kanye turned around and did the same thing to his artist. So while he's ranting and raving, I'm like, okay, it's easy for you to say, well, look what Jay-Z did and look how Rock Nation did me. Well, let, let's see your contract with Big Sean. Let's see your contract with Tiana Taylor, who never got any type of promotion from good music. Let's talk about that. Because you notice how in this industry, the one who's abused, they then turn around and become the abuser. And I'm not talking about anything sexual. I'm just talking about business-wise. 
So you know what's done to you, it didn't feel right, and then you still turn around and perpetuate it to somebody else. That's why I tell these young people, if you can be, you know, solo dolo and not signed to a label, get your money that way. Most people who go and sign to big labels, those are the people who are chasing fame. If you're just simply chasing, you know, because you love music and you love to entertain and you just want to get a simple bag, go the independent route. At least that way, your money is your money and you know where it's going and it's accounted for. You're not finding out three years down the line, you paid for the CEO, whatever, his new mansion or his new Bentley. Meanwhile, you're still in the projects. So it, it's sad. Um, let's see here. Oh, designer. I forgot designer was on good music. You see that? Let me see that designer contract, Kanye. <laughs> I forgot he was over there. It's a mess. The industry is dirty, man. Uh, let's see here. Unique H Santan. She says, growing up with a parent addicted to drugs in NYC was tough in the 80s. Many of my family members died from drugs. I was blessed that my dad recovered and is sober 20 years but it destroyed the family. Wow. Thank you for that super chat. And um, yeah, a lot of people's families really went through it. And even when you think about it, the way that some of us in the black community, you know, treat drug addicts, you know, we call them, you know, and I'm guilty of this. I'm not acting like I'm not guilty of it. You know, we call them crackheads and dope fiends and, you know, all these names. But when you really take the names out of it and, and the, the caricature out of it, these are people's parents, people's siblings, people's, you know, aunts and uncles. So it's, it's sad. It's really sad. But I notice in more modern culture, especially now that white folks are getting addicted to pills and stuff, now they're just addicts. Nobody calls them, you know, crackheads. They're just, oh, you know, Molly in the suburbs, she's just an addict. She's, you know, she's addicted to Oxy. So there's not really fancy names for the white folks who got addicted to drugs. I've noticed that, you know, so it's sad. Remember they had, you know, but we were growing up, they had names like Shermheads. Oh, she puts Sherm in her, in her cigarette sticks, PCP. They had all types of derogatory names. And they still stuck around. You know, we still use them to this day. I just always find that interesting. But thank you for the super chat. Um, let's see here. Oh, hey, Carissa. She said 999 says, hey, face, love you. Love you too. Thank you so much. Thanks for the super chat. Um, Kisha sent 20 says, DMX went through hell on earth. And now I pray he has found peace in heaven with his grandmother, whom he often gave him the most, who he often said gave him the most love. Yeah, I hope he's found that too. So thank you so much, sis. Um, let's see here. Lord Johnson says, Diddy is with Daphne Joy, 50 Cent X allegedly. Mm, love you, T. R.I.P. DMX. Diddy know he's wrong for that. And Daphne Joy, she's going to get in where she fits in, honey. Good luck to them. Now they really going to have something to beef over. Um, let's see here. Brian says, I think Little Kim and Faith Evans is one of the few artists who's under Puffy, who was under Puffy, who ain't messed up. Yeah, but they definitely don't get the same level of respect. Like, uh, like Faith has made some great music, but it's almost like she does not get the same amount of praise as like a Mary J. Blige. 
if you understand what I'm trying to say. Like she's definitely, like she's there. She was there back then. She could sing. But people definitely do not put her on the same level as Mary and Faith can sing her ass off. I would definitely put her, you know, I would love to see a versus battle between Faith and Mary. I think that'd be dope. Little Kim, um, she definitely has some hits. She's since fallen off, though. But she, she definitely had some hits. We'll never take that from her. You know, but yeah, Diddy, come on. Out of all them people, we could only name two. <laughs> I mean, that's sad. All them people that were on Bad Boy. We can only really say two artists are okay. Where's Sherry Dennis? Y'all remember her? You know, where's Danity Kane? Remember the, the boy band? I forgot their name, honey. They had to walk and get the cheesecake, the band. I mean, there's a lot of people that Diddy just messed up. Poor Pastor Mason Beth that still ain't got no damn check or residuals. It's a whole mess out here. Yeah, I would love to see them. Um, 112, I don't know whatever happened to 112. Where are they at? Yeah, remember Sherry Dennis? She had that bop. Loon, well, Loon is out now. He, you know, Loon, he's out. He's doing good. Okay, day 26, B5, child, B5. They got treated horribly. They came out maybe like a year ago, you know, during C-19. Everybody was spilling tea. They were going off. They were going off on Diddy on Instagram. But, yes, yeah, a lot of them. We need a surviving Diddy. Everybody wants about surviving R. Kelly, surviving Diddy and those royalties. What's up with that? And they had the nerve to buy his mother a brand-new Bentley. This woman damn near 90 years old. Where is she about to go on this three, dollars $400,000 car? You buying her a Bentley. Meanwhile, you have your artist out here in hospitals, struggling, Pam, going crazy. He got his artist out here struggling, but he can buy his mother a Bentley. That's why I don't think nothing Diddy does. I just I, I just look at it and I roll my eyes. <laughs> I keep it moving. Was Sammy with Diddy? I know he was Sammy signed to Bad Boys. Sammy look good. He young, though, but he look good. I be seeing him on Instagram every now and then, honey, trying to preach. Go on here, Sammy. I like the way you look at me. I like the time we spend, baby. I like... Okay, let me stop for they flag my video, honey. You know, you can't have fun on YouTube and you can't even sing songs. Let me stop for everybody come... For Diddy come claiming this video. She's saying Sammy's song, so I need to check. <laughs> I don't even know if he was with Bad Boy. But still, that song was the shit. <laughs> My little sister used to play that all the time. <laughs> that, oh, he's, how old is he? Oh, Sammy's 34. Hey, Sammy, how you doing? <laughs> I still look at him as a little kid because that video. But that video was so cute back in the day, honey. Yeah, Sammy is daddy. I'll be on his Instagram like. The thirst is real. <laughs> oh, let's see here. Uh, Jojo says, hey, Auntie, I'm late, but I want to say I've always respected how objective you were and listened to Azalea's words with an open mind. We should all strive to be a bit less judgmental. Much love from H-Town. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, love. Um, Aether Grace says, your podcast with that lady from Philly is gone. I want to listen to it. I only made to about 19 minutes what happened. Nope, it's still up. Sometimes these podcast forms, they, I mean, like websites, they act a fool. If it's not on Apple, just go to Spotify. If it's not on Spotify, go to Google. It's usually always going to be on Google. 
or go to Anchor. It's definitely going to be on Anchor, but I haven't taken it down. Um, Spotify, when I tell you, they really rock with me heavy. I just signed a little, you know, a little thing with them. They're doing some things with my podcast. Um, I had to sign an NDA, so I can't really talk into details, but they are definitely trying to get me into the podcast realm and pay me for it. So no, that podcast is up. It just might be a glitch or whatever, but go on to Anchor or go to Spotify. You'll be able to listen to the full podcast because I don't take none of my podcasts down at all. So yeah, the podcasting is where it's at because the censorship with YouTube is just getting really crazy. You know, I'm, I always love YouTube. I love the platform. I love everything that's done for me and my brand and just getting to know people. But the censorship is crazy. And these podcast platforms are seeing that and they're they're coming through and they're snatching people up now. That's why you see a lot of YouTubers moving over to podcasting. So, yeah. Let's see here. Um, thank you, guys. Say congratulations. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Um, let's see here. Uh, S. Gordon Santoni says, Diddy irks my entire nerves. LOL, keep doing UT. I'm glad it ain't just me. As soon as somebody sent me some stuff about Diddy, I'd be like, like my whole vibe just changes. He just irks me. I just, it's just everything about his vibe is just weird. Um, Her House of Green said Faith was smart and got out when she seen things were getting weird. Thank you so much for the 99 Dollar super chat. I really, really appreciate it. And yeah, you're right. And I'm glad she ended up leaving. Um, Faith is very talented. I don't think she gets her roses. She's very talented. And they kept trying to put her against Mary for a long time. So I think it'd be dope if they just, you know, did a versus battle together. I think that'd be dope. So now I can't believe I've already been on here for an hour, but like I said, it's okay. I literally, there's nothing, I have nothing else to do, you guys. So just hang with me. Um, so I want to go on here and talk about um, all of the stuff that's going on right now. So there's some important things I want to hit on with you guys. Let's talk about the mummies first. We'll talk about the mummies first. Okay. So if you guys do not know, this was about a week ago. I have posted this a few days ago, but this took place in Egypt. So one of my tea sippers, they have sent me this um, message on Patreon. Let me go ahead and share my screen real quick. Okay, so they sent me this message. They said, hey, T, remember that live stream you did not long ago talking about spirits and how the ship got stuck? It's crazy because what you said all made sense after watching this TikTok. It all added up. So this is the video that she's talking about. Two of its prized royal mummies. They went from central Cairo to their new resting place in a massive new museum. The ceremony included climate-controlled cases loaded onto trucks decorated with wings and Egyptian designs. They also had people on horseback along with all sorts of fanfare for the royals who were originally buried 3,000 years ago. But some are worried that moving the mummies will trigger an ancient curse. The curse of the pharaohs that was written on Tutankhamun's tomb, aka King Tut. It reads, death will come on quick wings for those who disturb the king's peace. In fact, they're pointing to recent disasters in the area, including the ship that blocked the Suez Canal, a deadly train crash, and more as examples of the curse in action. Ooh. Any examples of 
Okay, so let me come back on the screen and I'll finish explaining some more stuff. So for y'all who don't know, this is like a really big deal. So I believe all of this shit goes back to money. Like, Let's keep it real. C-19 caused tourism to basically stop for the most part um, because most of the people who go to go see to go to Egypt to go visit the pharaohs and the you know Valley of the Kings are people from you know other countries you know Europe uh, America Canada things like that right so because tourism has dried up they had built this new massive museum and they want to host the mummies there now I watched it I couldn't watch the full hour it was like an hour long procession I watched maybe the first 10 minutes it was just too ritualistic for me you can't tell me this was not a ritual being played out let me see if I can find the video. I have all these videos up. Okay. Here goes some more stuff where they're talking about it. I'm going to see if they're showing some of the clip in this video. Give me a second here. But after a deadly train crash in southern Egypt last week and that giant ship blocking the Suez Canal, some on social media wondering if this parade has unleashed a real-life pharaoh's curse. Now, Zahi Hawass, one of Egypt's top archaeologists, trying to calm public nerves. So let me see. I'm trying to see if they showed any of it here. No, they were mainly talking about the curse. Let me click on this video. It was a ceremony fit for a king, 18 plus four queens to be exact. Egypt throwing a lavish multi-million dollar parade through the streets of Cairo to transport 22 ancient mummies to their new resting place. This is a ritual. A royal spectacular thousands of years in the making. Egypt showing off its history. This golden parade, a pitch to the world. Broadcast live, President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi was front and centre for the show, but he was upstaged by rulers from a time gone by. 22 mummies paraded. 18 of them pharaohs. They were buried around 3,000 years ago in secret tombs in the Valley of the Kings. These are the kings of Egypt. Okay, so let me come back on the screen. So you guys see that now, right? So this was like a big deal for folks who don't know. And if you guys understand Egyptology and just, like if you ever like just research things about the mummies and King Tut and Queen Nefertiti, all of this stuff is very sacred. And even on his tomb, he was saying, like, you know, do not disrupt us. Because in ancient Egypt, they were very big on, you know, respecting the dead, you know. And this is a big deal to them because the reason why they did not allow the body to uh, deteriorate by just burying them in the ground, they felt in ancient Egypt, if your body deteriorated, your soul would be left wandering. There'd be nowhere for your soul to stay and be encapsulated. So that is why they mummified royalty, okay? Now, if you were poor, you probably were just buried in the ground and they moved on. But as far as the kings, they didn't want them just, you know, they didn't want their souls just roaming the earth. So that is why, so this is like a really big deal. And they were, they discovered the Egyptian mummies, I want to say like in the 70s or something. So, I mean, they had been there for thousands of years before they were discovered. But the people who discovered them, all of those archaeologists ended up dying in like the most craziest ways. Y'all can go research this, okay? Do your own damn research. But it's it's true. So they've always talked about the curse of like Tutankhamun and the curse of the valleys of the kings. It, it goes really deep. So 
1920. Thank you. I knew it was something early. Okay, so 1920. Thank y'all. Um, it was the 1920s when they discovered the mummies, right? So when everything happened with that ship, if you guys remember, I was saying there's no way this has not happened ever for a big old ship that weighs tons to get stuck in that position where it blocked trade for damn near two weeks in the Suez Canal. And I was saying that, you know, they're saying that, oh, it's the wind. They're like, what? no, the wind is not, the wind would have toppled it over, if anything. Why would it have it lodged? So a lot of people are saying that it's funny that that happened and it, co it coincided with them getting ready to remove the bodies of these ancient kings. Then the train situation happened in Egypt. It was a major train crash that happened. So a lot of people are saying that this is the Egyptian, um, the Egyptian kings, their curse coming to effect. Now, another thing that is crazy, you know it's crazy because even Cardi hit me up about this shit. She was like, what is going on with all these volcanic eruptions? Because I've been talking about this on social media. If y'all do not know, there's a lot of things going on right now globally. There are so many volcanoes erupting. It's insane. I'm trying to find my page. Okay. So there's a bunch of volcanoes just erupting. So if y'all don't know, in Iceland, this volcano has not erupted in 6,000 years. Child, it won't stop erupting. Every time I'm on YouTube, they're like, the volcano's going off again. Watch it live. I'm like, damn, it was going off three days ago. Three days ago, it was going off two days before that. Why does this volcano keep erupting? Something ain't cleaning the buttermilk. Ever since they moved those mummies, there's been a lot of real shit happening around the world. Let me go ahead um, and show y'all this. It's just, it's really crazy. Let me, let me share my screen real quick. So this is the volcano here in Iceland. It's been dormant for 6,000 years but it keeps erupting. On top of that, if y'all don't know, in the Caribbeans right now, y'all can name the countries, but right now in the Caribbeans, it's volcano after volcano after volcano erupting right now, if y'all don't know. So there's ash everywhere right now in the Caribbeans. It's really bad. Uh, St. Vincent. So it's, one is in St. Vincent and the other Caribbean country, I think it starts with a G, but it's it's in several and somebody's saying in southern asia there's volcanoes too yeah right now from what i researched right now there has been what did they say i just noted it hold on let me see if i can pull it up i think it's been like 40 okay overall there are 45 okay right now there are 45 volcanoes with continuing eruptions okay 45 volcanoes have just been going off in the past few weeks. So it's getting crazy. I, okay. Was it Granada? I don't know. Oh, Gerald. I don't know how to pronounce that. But it's that one. It's the G-R-E-N-A Geraldines. It's that island. Sorry, y'all, I don't know how to pronounce it. I know it's not Granada, but it's Geraldines. Let me go ahead and show y'all this. Give me just a second. Then I got some more crazy stuff that ties in with this ship in, in the Egypt world. So 
Give me just a second. Hopefully y'all understand what I'm trying to say, child. Okay, here we go. So this is the volcano. Right now, they're trying to evacuate several countries in the Caribbean. What the government in the tiny Caribbean island of St. Vincent is saying tonight after two massive volcanic eruptions. The first one happened early this morning. Video shows La Soufre spewing ash almost six miles into the air. Authorities say at least 20,000 people close to the volcano are being evacuated. But with the heavy ash, you can see barely see anything. So it's really making the process much more difficult. Then a few hours ago, it got worse. Another major eruption. This plume, not as big as the first. But they say it could be an ominous sign. The scientists at the West Indies Seismic Center say eruptions could continue for weeks or months. Shepard Smith. Here. Okay. Let me show you one other video. This is the one with that volcano in Iceland that be going off every other day on YouTube. At this point, I just check in once a day. I'd be like, <laughs> I need a life. I'd be like, I wonder if that volcano's going off today. Let me go walk to YouTube and see. And I just sit there and watch it for like 20 minutes or so. I don't know. So it's been going off like every other day. And people are trying to teach me how to pronounce that word. I don't know how to pronounce it because I've never even heard of that country before. But I guess they're saying it's Gernadines. Did I pronounce it right? Gernadines. Hopefully I pronounced it right. Anybody from Gernadines, I apologize if I do not know how to pronounce it. I had never even heard of that country, but I just want you guys to be safe in that country. So I be trying, child. It's hard. It's hard. Let me go ahead and show y'all this volcano. This is just crazy. Like, you literally can tune in once a day and watch this volcano erupt. Like, it's constantly erupting. This channel has been going live every day for like a week, just showing this volcano. It's been going on for more than three weeks, this person is saying. Okay, so y'all see that. So it's something that's going on in 2020 with like the weather, the atmosphere, it's it's really insane right now. Um, on top of this, a lot of people didn't know this. Now, this was before I knew about them trying to move the mummies. But I thought it was very interesting, the trajectory that the ship, the Evergreen ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal, while it was moving and being supposedly blown around, it made a drawing of a peen, a big peen too, big balls and all. <laughs> Sorry, I'm immature. I'm immature, I apologize. <laughs> Let me show y'all this picture of this big old peen, a big old peen it drew. Drew a big ass peen in the water. That's what the hell? Y'all think I'm playing, it drew a peen. Look at this picture, okay? Oh, that was talking about Taiwan here. Look, it drew a big old, big old balls. And so people were shocked. This was before we knew about the mummy thing. The cargo ship blocking the Suez Canal drew a huge phallus before getting stuck. What people don't understand, phalluses are worshipped all around the world. We have a phallus symbol in D.C., which is called the obelisk, and that's worship. And then I was explaining on Discord that the Egyptians... Um, when you tie it into the obelisk, 
They're saying that it was a monument commemorating the dead, representing their kings and honoring their gods. So I believe this goes pretty deep. And I don't know if I've lost y'all at this point, but I think it goes pretty deep. What are the chances, bro, of this shit that literally blocked trade for two weeks? Like what made this ship draw a big peen in the water? That was the trajectory, and then it got stuck. The ancient Egyptians worshipped peen, you know, the phallus symbol. Just like the Asians, a lot of Asian countries, they worship the phallus. The phallus, or the peen, um, and, you know, when you break down the symbolism, it, uh, what is it, what was it saying? It basically talks about regenerating life because, you know, the peen gets hard, so that's life. And then it ejects, then it dies, and then it comes back again. So it's like life and rebirth. It's like really deep. I know, right? It's really deep. I know for like most people in Western cultures, the peen is just something to suck and fuck. But no, it goes really deep. <laughs> it goes deep, okay? So I find it very strange that this ship got stuck around the same time they were moving these mummies and then it made a phallus symbol, and the phallus is worshipped in Egypt. So I feel like it's almost like the kings or those mummies letting us know that they're here. Because remember, I said it during that live stream. I said, there's no way a wind did that. I said it in that stream, that that was something spiritual. We're in a spiritual battle right now. You had little Nas X at the time. He had Satan trending and all that demonic shit. You know, I felt it was like something really deep. So I don't know. The whole situation is crazy. Maybe they're trying to warn us. But child, y'all know, you know, I just feel like all of this stuff is not happenstance. You know, maybe I'm crazy, but between these volcanoes and think about it, when a volcano erupts, what does that remind you of? A peaking erupting. <laughs> Ejaculating, I think that's the word. <laughs> right? It drew a peen, volcanoes erupting. Erupting is like ejaculating. Child. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know if this stream has got too sexual. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. So I feel like a lot of this stuff is happening because those mummies were moved. And it might be the curse of the kings coming back. Because literally, like a day or two later, that huge train crash happened in Egypt. I don't take that as happenstance. I don't believe in coincidences. Look, Dominique got the little curious faces like, yeah, for real. Like my tin had a singing with all of this stuff. Let's see here. Little Eye says, T, we better be mindful of Yellowstone. Because <laughs> girl, love you. And y'all, please stay safe and vigilant. Thank you so much. Yes, and Yellowstone has been, you know, it's been active before. I believe it, the last time it like really blew was like in the 80s. So it could happen again, you know, and that's right here in America. So it's, just keep an eye out because this damn volcano in Iceland, it won't stop erupting. So something is going on. Um, Ikena says, hey, T, fellow Ninja boy here. This proves that the Middle Easterners there in Egypt are not the original inhabitants of Egypt. They don't have respect for the national relics of that country. 
the melanin descendants of Kemet are the true ones. Thank you so much. Thank you for the super chat. And I agree. If they really respected and took what those kings wrote on their tombs, they would have left them alone. And this is not the first time. They've taken those same bodies, those mummies, you know, and they've taken them on tours around the world. Like, I think it was like in the 80s, they came to America and people in America got a chance to see them up close and personal, you know? So I believe that they did all of that. Everything, if you watch that parade, it's so ritualistic. I couldn't watch no more than 10 minutes of it. It's just like just one big ritual. All the lights and the pyramids and all that stuff. It's just one big ritual. And then all those people's energy there. And then you had people dressing up like ancient Egyptians. I feel like that was just one big ritual. So that whole situation is just, it's its crazy. Um, Let's see here. Cam says, she said 999. She says, I saw an article about Cairo as well and posted it in the zombie apocalypse section on the Discord the day before you posted the mummies and zombie um peen lol catch me in the doomsday prep room all week rest in peace dmx thank you so much for the super chat sis thank you for coming through um let's see here outlander sent 20 and says the peen was stuck in the canal like the birth canal of a woman Mm. and isn't that another name for that canal Remember, somebody had said something in the last stream. Let me Google that real quick. I believe that's another name for the Suez Canal. It's something about like the birthing or like the something of civilization. If y'all know, y'all can write it down. But it was like another name for it. Or somebody had wrote it in the stream. Let me see if y'all know the answer. Because I'm trying to Google, but it's not coming up. But it's something, the cradle of life. Boom. That's what it was. Thank you so much, Ambi Goddess. The artery and the cradle of life. You see that? And then you had a peen drawn in there. Something about that is just crazy. So I don't know. I just find that very, very interesting, you guys. It's a lot of stuff that's just going on. A lot of like, you know, really spiritual stuff that's just going on right now in the world. So that is very interesting that you brought that up. So thank you for making that point. Um, Let's see here. Sister Slayage. I like that name. Says the dormant volcanoes erupting. Don't surprise me. We are in Aries season. Aries is a fire sign, which is known for their anger. They are slow to anger and lay dormant and erupt like these volcanoes are doing. Wow. That's interesting. That's interesting. I know a few Aries. They're cool, but when you piss them off, it's very, very hard to calm them down. So that I, I like that. And that is a fire sign. So that makes sense. Um, Brianna White says, girl, just got home from a road trip and saw... A big ass evergreen truck. <laughs> hey, got far away as possible. I want no part. <laughs> I'm not mad at you, Brianna. She said she seen that evergreen sign. She was like, I'm gonna get over by four lanes. Like, get the hell away from me for a slides this way. <laughs> um, Lodi Senpai says, I live in the Netherlands. We've we've had all four seasons in less than two months. 
It was even snowing a few days ago, which is very unusual here. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for the super chat, sis. Appreciate you. There's a lot of strange things going on with the weather and just the environment in general. Um, Ebony Collins sent a $10 sticker. Thank you, sis. Um, Eric sent $4.99. Thank you, Eric. Let's see. I don't know how to say this name. It's in Chinese. But they sent $4.99. Says, hey, T, remember the rock movie, The Scorpion King, where he played an Egyptian warrior living in Gomorrah? Now he may run for president at this time. Hmm, that's interesting. Thank you so much for the super chat. Let's see here. Nina Lynn says, hey T, it is the artery of life of reference to the heart. It is essentially our lifeline, peace and blessings always. Thank you so much. Man, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. A lot of news. Um, let me check something else here. It was another message I just missed. Um, Makai says, hey, T, just got off work. Army girl checking in. I've been watching since I was 12. I'm now 19. Thank you for keeping it real, auntie. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming through. That is awesome. She's in the army. She's only 19. Thank you for your service so far. Appreciate you. Um, Aisha loves him. Five says, makes me think of... Cascadia plate along the west coast. It causes a nine earthquake every 300 years. It's been over 400 years since it last went off. Yeah, a lot of things are coming back full cycle. You know, a lot of things that haven't affected us in like, you know, hundreds of years are now starting to show up, which is just insane. Um, Aramac Gnome says, isn't Easter also the worship of the fertility goddess? Mmm. And that is like new, like, you know, like rebirth too, you know, with the death of Jesus Christ and then him rising again. That's very interesting. That's a very interesting connection. Thank you for that. Um, Jay Jersey Girl says, I saw the King Tut exhibit when it came to the U.S. in the 70s. Yellowstone is a super volcano capable of magnitude eight. Damn. Yeah, Yellowstone, if that ever erupts, it's going to really, I mean, it's done it before, but if it ever erupts to a level eight, it would just literally devastate that entire state. I would never want to live around Yellowstone. Uh -uh. Uh, let's see here. Latina Chef 1986 says, Aaliyah was into Egyptology. I hope she wasn't sacrificed for that. Mm. That's interesting. That's interesting. So now let's see. I've been on here for an hour and 17 minutes. I want to finish um, talking about one other thing that's going on with the economy. So if you guys do not know, um, I have been telling people that if you can get into a home and buy a home, do it now. I, mean, I, mean, I was saying this last year, like in 2020. The prices are down. The interest rate is down. If you are looking for a home and you qualify, your credit is where it needs to be, this is the time to get a home. You know, get it while you can before the interest rate jumps back up and before, you know, whatever goes up eventually comes down. Right. So that's when I started my process to, you know, start getting my home and then also trying to sell this home. And so I was just noticing that a lot of my friends that I was telling them to start going to go get a home, they were trying and they were contacting me super frustrated because 
every time they went to this is after they've been approved for either their fha their fha loan or their conventional loan they would go and try and bid and they're getting outbidded like constantly you bid and it's like oh well this person's paying cash or this person's willing to pay two times as much as what you're willing to pay so it's been really bad now congratulations to all the people who were able to get a home and, and moved in and everything else congratulations to y'all but right now it's a lot of people really struggling to try and get a home so it's now been reported if you guys do not know it's now being reported that there is something systemic right now that is causing it where people are not able to just freely bid on homes so it's come out that you may not be bidding against another family because yeah it's definitely a seller's market but the problem is it's coming out now that you're that you may not be bidding against another family but a business a lot of these corporations are now buying single family homes so this is very very disturbing yeah that's what a lot of people are saying build that's what i'm doing but the problem with the build if you didn't start months ago the wood price like i told you guys a few streams ago the wood price has gone up like a year ago let's just say like a two by four right you know like a plank of wood was going for 20 bucks now they're gone up to 80 dollars so right now wood is scarce all over so that's why i don't have a problem that's why for me it makes sense to just build as opposed to once i leave here i don't want to be in competition bidding on homes with you know other people and now we're finding out that a lot of the folks who are bidding their companies so i'm going to play you guys this article because i want you guys to understand what is going on here um because this is not this like made me sick to my stomach when i heard this because i know so many of my friends have been trying to get homes and it's almost like they're getting frustrated even one of my friends i was talking to who lives in philly people i've been talking to in florida it is going on all over america and so this is what has been discovered that these corporations are the ones bidding so let me go ahead and play you guys this clip really quick give me just a second to pull it up here okay here we go now we are learning that the housing boom and possible bubble is being driven not only or maybe not even primarily by the PMC wanting more gardening space. Permanent capital is buying up homes at astonishing rates. Take a look at this new report from the Wall Street Journal. If you sell a house these days, the buyer might be a pension fund. Wall Street Journal weirdly focused their headline on pension funds because I guess they're associated with workers. But the truth is, it's all sorts of rich people in their financial institutions that are buying up American communities. The report quotes a real estate consultant who estimates that one in five houses in the U.S. is sold to someone who never moves in. That same analyst told the Wall Street Journal, you now have permanent capital competing with a young couple trying to buy a house. That's going to make U.S. housing permanently more expensive. Private equity giants, hedge funds and other economic royalists are buying up houses, in some cases, entire neighborhoods. And then they're either getting directly into the landlord business or they're flipping them to entities that will rent the suburban American dream to you. As a result, home prices have jumped 16% nationwide in a single year. In the Northeast and the West, the increase has been even wilder with prices jumping 21% year over year. Does that sound to you like the type of healthy growth that's going to lead to vibrant and sustainable communities? 
All right, let me come back on the screen. And I want to explain to you guys why this is a big problem and we should all be concerned. First and foremost, usually when businesses um, buy property, like let's say it's a corporation, usually when they buy property, it's usually a business property or apartment complex. It's usually not single family homes. Single family homes were always meant for just regular people to buy for, you know, people who have families. So what, what's going on right now is that how this first broke, there was a dilapidated home. I believe it was in Washington state. It was a four bedroom home, dilapidated, built in the 1930s. It needed to be fixed up. It was so bad. They were saying, don't even get on the porch because you might fall through the porch. That's how rundown this home was. The home value was probably no more than 200000 That home sold for a million dollars. A million dollars. A dilapidated home. So, peep this. We also had a meeting a month ago where we talked about the World Economic Forum and how they're trying to push to regular people, own nothing and be happy. And I told y'all a month ago, that's bullshit. Because I find it interesting that you want regular folks to own nothing and be happy but the corporations are running to buy single family homes, something is not clean there. Because if we're all supposed to not own nothing and be happy, why are they running to go buy some stuff? Shouldn't they be following the same mantra? That's what I'm saying. If you can get into something, get into it now. Because what I feel is going to happen is that these companies are buying these single family homes. They're using them as rental property. So what's going to happen is not only will the mortgage prices end up going higher in 2022, but the rent prices as well. So if you're trying to rent a home, what's going to happen is that that same home that if you were able to get a mortgage for it at this really low interest rate, right? So let's say you pay $2,000 a month for your home, but if this company buys it at that super low interest rate, they now own it. They have their own home. They have other properties. So for them, this is just an investment. Now that same home that you could have bought as a single family for two grand a month may end up costing you $3,500 a month. So do y'all see what they're trying to do here? And yeah, it is, it's a worldwide thing. It's not just happening in America. It's happening all over. Because I was noticing there is so much new construction going on. Even I showed y'all the video on Discord Literally, right now, when I look outside my window, there's like uh, bulldozers and forklifts. There's new construction like literally being built on the other side of my sidewalk. They just got here like a week and a half ago and just got the pulling up trees and digging up shit. I said, well, damn, I thought that was going to be a lot for a little bit longer. They are building like crazy. And I believe that the reason why they're building so much right now is so a lot of these corporations can get dibs on these homes to rent them out because they can afford to just give, you know, a home builder 500 to a million dollars in cash and it's no big deal. So yes, it is a seller's market, but even like with me, my home is only three years old. Like I got it, it was a model home. I bought it in 2017. You know, and the value from when I bought it, I bought it as an investment home. This was never my forever home. I always have tried to, you know, invest in property. So this was just a home for me to be in for the time being when we moved from LA. So even like my property here has just 
shot up and we're going to sell it. But I've had to do so much. Like I've sold other homes before and it wasn't this much of a headache. Like right now we're in competition with new construction because the new construction, it's like, well, does somebody want a home that's two or three years old when new construction is here building? And then you have a lot of these companies that are putting money into the new construction. So that's where the competition is, even if you have a newer home, is your competition is new construction that's being popped up every other day in these different neighborhoods. So it is like really crazy, like what's going on right now with the housing market. The good thing is I don't have to bid on anything because I already had all my ducks in a row because I knew all of this was going to happen from just talking to financial people, talking to my CPA, my banker, my lender, all of that stuff. So it's just if you're going to try and get into something and you can afford it and your credit and you've been approved, try and get into it as soon as you can, because I think by the summertime, it's going to be a lot of opportunities shut out for just regular people, for regular families. Like literally right now, because the interest rate is so low, you can have double the house for what you're paying for, you know, a, a smaller home. So that's what a lot of people are doing. So it's just like really crazy, the corruption behind this, because everybody's like, well, damn, this is a perfect time. This is a blessing. I've always wanted a home. And then when they go to try and purchase, it's you've been outbidded. Or, okay, well, you only have 300000 This person's willing to pay 400000 Well, you don't have the extra 100000 Then you find out that that person is not even a person. It's a company. Half of these people that are selling their homes to people, the people never even live there. They never come. It's a company. And I don't think a lot of sellers even understand that a lot of people who are bidding for their homes are not families. So it's just, it's crazy when you really go down that rabbit hole. Yup. SM said it, a lot of cash bids. And that's, I mean, like who just, the average person just does not have $500,000 in cash. So when you're being outbidded because, oh, well, this person just is willing to give me 400,000 in cash and you're having to do a loan through a bank, of course they're gonna go with the cash. But that person is not asking themselves, who is this person who just has $400,000 in cash? Obviously that's a company. So, yeah, it's getting dirty out here. Look, Donna C said these apartments are costing mortgage prices. Amen. And that was the thing when we were growing up. If you guys remember when we were growing up, it was cheaper to rent. That is why people rented. That was the benefit of renting because it was cheaper to rent than it was to own your own home. But now it's been flipped. Now you save more money owning your home than renting. You got some apartments right now, in just even in the Twin Cities, a two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment starting at minimum $2,200, whereas like several years ago, it was $1,200. Like five, six years ago, I had a townhome, and I was paying $1,200 a month, and it was a two-bedroom, two-bath townhome, beautiful, three levels, $1,200. That same townhome now is going for $2,000 a month. Newer homes, newer apartments. 22 and up. Don't even talk about LA. LA's insane the way their pricing is in New York. But even in the Midwest, the price is really going up. So it's it's insane. So I just wanted to let you guys know that because there's a lot of sneaky stuff. Don't get discouraged because I know a lot of people are discouraged. They're tired. If you can get into something and you've already been qualified for your loan, keep bidding. These companies are not out here trying to buy these homes for no reason, because if you give up, 
and you just stick to renting, they're eventually going to raise the price of rent. So if you're eligible, definitely keep bidding. Because right now, it's it's very frustrating the way the market is going. You got a lot of people. You have the great exodus that's happening in California, where people are moving from there to Texas and in other southern states. And it's driving the market up. Because now, as a Texan, you want to get a home for your family. But now you're competing with people who are coming from Cali, who are used to paying high mortgages and high rent. So they have the extra capital that they're willing to spend on a home in Texas that is a lot cheaper. So... Just, just stay on top of it. Just stay on top of it. Um, let's see here. Let me read some of these messages. Um, Nayam Bellison, $50. Thank you so much for the super chat. She says, beautiful T.I. I was worried about you, about the passing of X. I'm glad you're okay. Glad to see you. Love you. Love you too, sis. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, TJ sent 10 says, T, I'm glad you are speaking on this. I live in Brooklyn and bid it on a multifamily home that was 400K, which is cheap in BK. The seller backed out because Wells Fargo offered them double. Damn. It's Manhattan. And that is a damn good deal for anything in Brooklyn. Because a lot of that newer property in Brooklyn, you're looking at a million dollars easily. And that's the problem. And, you know, can I get mad at the seller? No, because I'm sure I'm going to get more from for what I'm asking for for this house. But at some point, when the banks are willing to buy the property, that's unnerving. Because if they're willing to pay double for that home, how much are they going to end up renting it for? That's going to be a home that they're going to fix up. And that rent will probably be five grand a month. And who can afford to live in there paying five grand a month? Rich people. People who have that capital. So once again, it falls into gentrification of outbidding, buying property, and moving out people out of these affordable areas. So it's really crazy. Thank you so much for the super chat. Um, Michael, oh, Mich Michelle, excuse me. Michelle Unveiled says, hey, T, just wanted to show you some love to my favorite YouTuber. Have a blessed day, queen. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, Jared Smith says, hey, T, first super chat. I heard to wait until the mortgage moratorium ends to start the process in Washington. What do you think? Do your thing, girl. Thank you so much. Um, I can't tell anybody, you know, what to do or give financial advice. Um, like I said, the, the main thing that's important regardless of when the moratorium ends or not ends, you have to make sure that your credit and everything's up to par. Because whenever you do decide to go start looking, if you don't have that where that needs to be, you're not going to be eligible to get the best loan. And the way these prices are going right now, you need to make sure that your credit is on point. So that way, because if your credit is, let's say, in the 600s, yeah, you might get a loan for 200000 But if your credit is in the sevens and up, they can give you that same loan. They can give you a four or $500,000 loan. So that way you're able to compete with some of these sneaky, you know, businesses that are also trying to buy property. So I'd be more concerned with the credit part of it than even when the moratorium ends. That's just my advice. Yeah, that, that credit score has to be, we're, you know, super, super up there. Um, let's see. The one and only Walt says a Japanese billionaire in the 80s and 90s bought a million dollar mansion on the same block 
in cash in Hawaii, moved a few for uh, moved a few poor people in them for free, and the city forced them out years later because he sold the properties. Wow. Thank you so much for the super chat. I appreciate it. Um, Keila says, T, I'm a realtor and I'm having to put 15 to 30 offers before we can get anything accepted. A customer, a customer of mine broke down crying in front of me during our process. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for the super chat. I'm hearing all types of stories. And like I said, I didn't understand it at first because I would hear my friends be like, I found a house in, you know, Bloomington, or I found a house in Shoreview, and they would go to bid on it. And I'm like, did you get it? No. And it was like, and usually like a few years ago, when you bid on something, you know, you might lose out on one or two homes, but like, damn, I know people who literally have bid on up to like 10 homes and they've lost all 10. So I can understand her frustration and her breaking down crying because you have your hopes up. And that's the thing when you're trying to make something your home and you find something that works for you and your family, the number of bedrooms, the space, and just whatever else, you're really hoping on that. And then to be approved and to get the loan and then to go bid, and it's like, oh, well, you didn't get it because this company's willing to pay, you know, 5% more, 10% more. It's insane. So I can only imagine how she felt. It, it's getting really just, that's why I was just like, when I seen that, I was like, I had to post it on Discord and like really talk to people and let people know that if you are thinking about getting something and you are eligible, get it now before everything starts, you know, shooting back up again. Let's see here. Um, Rena Santen says, I live in NYC. I pay $2,050 for an entry-level studio. Damn, that's crazy. Says, I just asked the, the owner of it. Hold on. I just asked the owner of it's for sale. I can make more renting out this place for this closet. Yeah, that is small. If you have an entry level studio and they're charging $2,050, the rent in New York is no joke. I would never, I could never live in New York just for the fact that they overcharge. And you just, you can't, unless you just have a lot of money, you're not able to get the bang for your buck. Like I went to a few like really nice condos in Brooklyn when I went to go visit some of my friends, but they were paying $4,500 a month for a two bedroom condo, you know, like an upscale area. And I'm just like, that is ridiculous. You can literally get like a, a huge home in the Midwest for that price. Um, let's see here. Kate says, hello to you. Look beautiful. Did you see the explosion in the tiny house or van life movement given what's happening to the economy? Um, oh, I'm sorry, an expansion. I thought she said explosion. Um, I can see that, you know, to each his own. I'm not living in a van. That's just not my thing. I'm not living in a tiny, tiny house, <laughs> you know, but to each his own. But I can see that happening. You know, if the rent becomes ridiculous, I can see people definitely doing the van life thing. But again, it's it's a lot more feasible if it's just you or maybe you and one other adult. But when you have kids, you know, do you really want to raise your kids in a van, you know, unless you have to? So that's the part that, you know, while I can see why some people do it, when you have children, it's different, you know, and that's why these single family homes, for them to be bought out from families who really are looking for homes to me is just disgusting. And I just find it just crazy that most of the media is not even talking about this. I haven't really seen it posted on CNN, on Fox News. It's only information that's being, you know, discussed on social media or on the internet. 
Um, let's see here. Judy JH sends six ninety nine says the same thing in Canada. I'm paying seventeen fifty for one bedroom. Wow. So Canada is pretty expensive too. Then I didn't know that. Um, thank you for the super chat too. Um, Sandra Richardson says, "Hey Auntie, my dad pays seventeen hundred dollars a month for a one bedroom in Massachusetts. Just sad. Yeah, rent has definitely gone up in so many places. It's crazy." Kirby Wiggins sent five says, I gave up on bidding. I'm building my house and will finish by October. I know that's right. Like I said, if you can build, if you're not able to like bid, then go ahead and just do that. Um, the price of building has gone up. Like I said, the process takes a long time, but it's worth it if you start at a decent time. And it might be cheaper in your area. But I know here the wood and everything has gone up. Um Cause I go and I talk to my builder cause they're still building in the community that I'm in now. So every now and then I'll go to the model home and talk to my builder just to go chop it up with them. Cause I'm real close with them. And I remember they were telling me this back in like April, like everything is going up. Even like the light fixtures, like, you know how you plug in stuff into the socket, the plastic parts, all of that stuff is made in China. So when C-19 hit and everything got shut down all of the factories, it really caused a backlog worldwide. Like this really affected like just globally everything because so much stuff is made in China. So he was even saying that it was taking longer to even finish the homes that they were building because they didn't have electrical outlet co covers because there were none in America at the time. Everything was coming from um, China. So that is why it's taking longer for the homes to be built. Whereas you could get a new build in like six months. It's literally taking nine months now from start to finish and not including permits and all that stuff. So it's definitely a long process, but if you can do it and it's not way too expensive for you, definitely go ahead and do it because right now the bidding is frustrating a lot of people. So thank you for that. Um, Errol Lynn Morgan says, it goes back to owning nothing and being happy, the narrative hashtag BBB. Yup, it does, the World Economic Forum, it does. Um, Yara Monet says, wow, I guess I'm lucky I paid four fifty for my studio in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Five, I'm sorry, five forty for my studio. Those are prices that, yeah, you're very lucky for one, but I haven't even seen a five fifty price in a long time for a studio or a one bedroom. Like those were the prices that we used to pay, like, you know, 10, 15 years ago. You know, a studio was like 500, a one bedroom was usually like six to maybe seven, a two bedroom was seven to eight. And it's like, it's just doubled in so many places now. It's crazy. Um, Afro Ninja says, I'm ready to sell and move to Georgia for film acting, but I don't know where I want to go with my child. I've wanted to move for years and I can because of my VA loan, but my main concern is where to go. Well, you gotta research. You know, wherever you decide to go, whatever you decide to live, you have to research because a lot of people just pack up and leave. And then it's like they get to this new location and they find out that maybe it's worse than the place that they left or the economy is not the same or the job market is not the same. So you have to really, really research. You know, y'all know me. I, I move every damn three years. I'm the queen of moving. So one thing about me before I move anywhere, I just really, really research. Um, especially like even like with LA, that was like such a difficult move. And because LA, you really have to learn that landscape 
that is why I moved out there first by myself. And then I eventually, you know, bought the boys. So sometimes you have to go out for a few months and figure things out and get things settled and then send for your kids. But yeah, definitely do your research no matter where you go. Just really, really research the area, the cost of living, make sure you're able to get a job. If you can transfer your job or if you work from home, that makes it a lot easier as well. So I hope that helps. Um, let's see here. Gianna Hobson says, Georgia is full. Thank you. Ooh. Well, damn. She said she don't need no more y'all coming to Georgia. She said it is full. Keep yourself wherever you're at. You know what? That is so funny because that's how the people in Texas feel and Arizona. A lot of people in Texas and Arizona are pissed. They're like, y'all Cali people, keep y'all asses in Cali. Stay out of our state. We got enough issues here. Y'all are, you know, raising the cost of living. So I get it, honey. I get it. She was not playing. She said, uh-uh, you got to stay where you at. <laughs> oh, yeah, Las Vegas. That's another place people are um, running to. Mm-hmm. And Florida. Yup, Florida's another place. A lot of people are running to Nevada and Florida as well. And it's causing the, the it's causing the price to go up. Another thing that's going on, one more thing I want to touch on before I go, because um, I've been on for almost two hours. They're trying to buy people's homes. So there's people going door to door. I've had people in Florida tell me this. It's happened to my friends here in Minnesota and like Brooklyn Center. They're knocking on people's doors and trying to get you to sell your home. So if they feel like, oh, you know, and it doesn't have to be an older home. Um, I haven't heard them coming to any new construction, but like usually homes that are a few years old, townhomes, they are coming to people's doors and they are knocking and saying, hey, do you want to sell your home? And my boy was telling me, like, yeah, some dude just came into the house, was asking us to sell. And he was like, no, I'm not trying to sell my home. Like, what the hell? But that's how desperate they are to buy property. So then, like I told y'all, they can rent it out. So just be mindful when people come to you to sell your home. If you want to sell because it's a seller's market, that's fine. But understand that if you don't have something in place to move to, you're going to be stuck in a hotel playing, you know, a hotel fee or Airbnb until you can find something. So I know a few people got caught in that situation where they sold their home and they thought they could just bid and get another home and everything that they bid it on, they weren't able to get. So now they're stuck in Airbnbs. So just be mindful if you're going to sell, make sure you have it planned out. So when you sell, you're going into something. You're not just, you know, sitting in a hotel, wasting the money that you just earned. So be mindful of that. Um, let's see here. First second says, speaking of price hikes, Biden, Biden, excuse me, Biden was thinking of taxing drivers per mileage to fund infrastructure, but backed off when they felt the backlash coming. <laughs> Everything is going up. Between that and food, it's to the point, am I the only one? We went to Jimmy John's the other day. I bought two sandwiches and a cookie. And that shit came to $20. It's to the point now where fast food is just as expensive as going to like a Perkins or a sit-down restaurant. It's gotten that crazy. You go to McDonald's and you go get a meal, you're going to be paying at least $10. It's gotten that bad. Taco Bell too. Yes, honey, not a cookie. I said, well, I'm glad I didn't order a pickle. She would have been $25. I'm like, you know, that type of money you're supposed to sit down and eat nice. Now, you know, grab a sandwich to go. 
But yeah, all of the, the price is going up because again, like I, I told y'all, the supply chain was very, very much affected in Texas when that storm happened. So we're seeing an increase in everything. Gas, wood, food. So just, yeah, the groceries, you go grocery shopping, you spend $100 and you're literally leaving with two bags. Whereas back in the day, if you spent $100, you got four to six bags and the shit is to the brim. Now you just walk out with two light bags like, damn, I spent $100 on this? It is crazy. It is really crazy. Damn, gas is $3 in Texas? Wow. Let's see here. Lakeisha Williams at 1999. She says, hey, T, Scorpio vibes from the Discord. I paid $15,000 for my house when the market crashed in 2009. It's now worth $150,000 and up, but I don't want to end up homeless looking for a house building is a great idea. Thanks. Yeah, girl, that was a good investment. That was a good investment. I love hearing stories like that. It makes me so happy. You know, like I said, I bought my home three years ago and it's already gone up in price. So for you to get your home for 15000 and you make that, that is why home ownership is important. And that is a stuff that they don't teach us in school. That is a stuff they don't like to talk about. Because when you own a home, that is financial security. If you get into a bind, you can take a second mortgage out. You can, you know, you can take money out against your equity. People don't know that type of stuff. So congratulations to you. With that type of money that your house is worth, I will look at building something. I sure would. I will look at trying to build something. So that way, when you do sell your home, you have something to move into. So good luck to you on everything. Thank you for that message. Um, let's see here. Yeah, but she bought her house during the financial crash. She said she got in in 2009. That's why it was insanely low. So she made a good investment in that. She bought a, I'm assuming it was probably a foreclosed home. And now it's gone up in price. So that was a damn good investment shit. I ain't mad at her. That's how you're supposed to invest your money. If you got it, buy it. And now look at, you know, 10 years later, that's a great investment. Um, let's see here. One choice says my boss in the Netherlands said he's on a sh shortage of nails, nuts, etc. They are running out of things made in China. Wow. So this is global, even in the Netherlands. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's insane. And that just even like with just the building, just like the supplies and having to wait, that's what took a long time for them to even start digging. They had to wait for like the windows, the doors. Everything is behind right now. Everything is behind. It's like just been a waiting game. So I just can't wait till everything is just done. I just really can't. Um, let's see here. Donna, my house, I paid for $70,000. it has been gentrified and it's going for $300,000. Wow. What, what city are you in, Donna C? So she got her home for $70,000. They gentrified everything, and now it's gone up to $300,000. So they know what they're doing. They definitely know what they're doing. Uh, let's see here. Evelyn sent 20 says, hey, T, I believe that after this last election, they're trying to run all of our type out of the metro areas. C-19 didn't take enough of us out, and they're seeing we're not running to get the vaccine. <laughs> I got everybody changing the name around. Thank you so much. Yeah, they're definitely doing a few things. They're definitely doing a lot of things, but 
like I said, for the people who are qualified, don't sit on it. If you can try and get something, you know, if you're not eligible, don't worry, but don't beat yourself up over it. Don't go and get yourself into something you can't afford or that you'll get yourself into more debt. If you're not eligible at this time, work on cleaning up your credit. That's the most important thing, because once your credit is where it needs to be, you'll be eligible to get a bigger size loan to get a bigger, better home. So work on that. But for the ones who are eligible, try and get something now because they're, they're outbidding single families for a reason. And you don't want to get into a situation where you're renting and you may have to move. And then you're going to go look for a new, you know, a home to rent for your family. And that's twice as much as where you were at before. Um, let's see here. Let's see. Bree Springer says, hey, T, I know this is random, but are you invested in cryptocurrency? Um, not really. I've invested a little bit, but not not a whole lot until they can tell me how I can spend the money tangibly. I'm not taking out my money investing in crypto. I only invest in stuff that makes sense. That's tangible, like housing or stocks. And um, what's the other thing? IRAs. Those are the only things I really mess with. Um, crypto is cool, you know, for some people who are really into it. But until you can explain to me how we can spend that, um, I don't plan on hiring a hitman on the dark web or buying a bunch of illicit drugs. Like, so if I'm buying all this crypto, can I pay my mortgage with it? Can I go to the grocery store? So until they build an infrastructure where I can spend the crypto, I'm not going to be taking my tangible money and putting it into cryptocurrency. You know, I bought a few things, but it ain't it ain't like stock and IRA. So that's just my opinion. But, you know, people are really into crypto, you know, which is fine. But like I said, it, it just needs to be it needs to be ironed out more for me to like just 100 percent co-sign it. <laughs> Ayana says, please don't come to Georgia. I'm tired of seeing Trees cut down for all these outsiders. Wow. Yeah, I feel you on that one. I feel you on that one. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. But on that note, you guys, I've been on here for two hours. So I'm going to go ahead and log off. I thank you guys for spending the, I guess, the evening with me here on this good Saturday. We talked about a lot of stuff, you know, from drug abuse to the industry to volcanoes and Egyptian mummies you know what I'm saying, to the housing situation. So that's one thing I like about my streams because you never know what we're going to hit on. You know, the topics just range and I love it. We had like close to 10,000 people here tonight. So thank you guys for joining me and I will talk to you guys later. You guys have a good evening.